shorten our lifetime? Like, to being an attractive person? I think so. It doesn't seem right if someone in the 50s was like, oh, yeah, she's real hot. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's like a a late 90s, early 2000s thing. Oh, no, it has to be before that, no? Yeah? I kind of feel like definitely early 90s. Okay. For some reason, it feels 80s. Hmm. Well, maybe. Although, you could see, I could feel it in the 70s. I don't know. Music was called hot in the 70s for sure. Yeah, or like the hot new club. Maybe it evolved into meaning like physical beauty. Who was the first person that was called hot? I'm sure it wasn't documented. Gloria Gaynor. (laughs) Probably. That sounds correct. I don't know. It might be documented. There's a lot of times where you can find like the first use of certain things. If you could find like the first use of Merry Christmas, I'm sure we could find the first use of someone being called hot. If you if you wanted it bad enough, if you searched hard enough, you could do it. All right, I'm gonna find it out. Okay. Or you listeners out there, let us know who was the first person that was ever called hot. Was it you? Was it? Maybe it's way older, and maybe it was like um, Plato. Man, that Plato is hot. So hot. Yeah, Cleopatra. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. He, from what I've seen, he had like pretty ripped abs. Yeah, from all of the photos I've seen yeah. of him. <laughs> from all the sculptures. Yeah. The guy was shredded. Everybody was shredded in their sculpture, though. I don't know how to segue out of that, but uh, <laughs> welcome, everyone, to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Randawa, and with me is my co-host, the first woman to ever be called hot in this house, oh. Samantha Hees. Oh, hello. That's quite the title. Yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of that title. <laughs> And we are members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. Today, we are going to introduce a few things to you, give you some reviews. I have an album review. Sam has some book reviews. And you know what? For the first time ever, no movies today. What? For the first time ever, the big pick isn't going to be a movie. What? But this is a movie podcast. It was. Books, music, and whatever you're introducing. <laughs> it's going to be a weird episode today because uh, we're in a weird time. Well, everyone's in a weird time, but us specifically because we're moving, we're attempting to travel, we're trying to get married, and we're recording things way ahead of time, which is something we normally don't yes. do. So we're just uh, we're just going for it. We're just going hard. So hot. <laughs> So hot. Remember when Paris Hilton was like famous and all she would do is That's just say- That's hot. Th- yeah, that yeah. was like a bit. Yeah. yeah what she a had time. like shirts. There was like, I'm pretty sure I said it at one point. In like a, a Paris Hilton vein? Yeah, because she was like the coolest. When Did I was... you think she was the coolest? Oh, when I was in high school? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What? This is very interesting to me because yeah. I was- It was uh, like a thing. I was- I don't know, maybe those couple of years between us makes me outside of it, or maybe because I'm uh, some dude who didn't care about that kind of stuff. But what was the appeal of Paris Hilton? She just seemed glamorous and fancy, and she had a little dog, and she dressed like we wanted to dress. Real low pants. Oh, God. The amount of- Pants were so low then. The amount of hip bone I showed at school- and I'm sure butt crack because you can't like yeah. maneuver in those pants. Yeah, I remember high school. Those were some low pants. Um, I'm going to talk about the show that I've been watching later, but it's from the time when this was all happening, uh, when Paris Hilton was happening. And every so often they wear the super low jeans. And I'm like, how did those even stay on our bodies? Like they are around the biggest part of you, like your hips. 
And like, there's nothing for them to stay up on. But that's where they are. They're just really, uh, it's a real balancing act because <laughs> they're right at your, your peak hip. Yeah. And if they slide just a little bit, they're down. They're down. But And it's not like, because usually, like now jeans kind of sit above. The now base. jeans, are, your jeans specifically, are like right below the nipple is where you like they to They are not jeans. right below the nipple. You like very they're high just pets. above the belly button. No, 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 no. Yes. Your, oh, okay, maybe your jeans. But I'm your pants. jeans right now. Your pants in general are very high. They're like just below my underboob. Yeah. Yeah. That's very high. Yeah, I like it. It's, you like them right up to your chin pretty much. secure. <laughs> I feel secure in knowing that my pants aren't going anywhere. So you couldn't wear a Christina Aguilera jean these days? No, I, I have no want to either. Mm, that's fair. I'd have to lose about 75 pounds in order to make that work. What? Why? Because no. you can't have an inch of fat anywhere around your lower stomach or else you look like you have like a muffin top on. No, I think that's just what you do then. You just have that. But luckily, we're in a time of super high pants again. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get back on track. And the first thing we are going to do is hear from our first sponsor of the day. And that is someone I am very, very familiar with. The Edmonton Public School Board. Get ready to take the guesswork out of choosing a school. Go to an Edmonton Public School's virtual open house. Ask your questions to learn about their schools and programs, and find the one that feels right. All from the comfort of home. Find virtual event dates and learn how to make the most out of your online visit at openhouse.epsb.ca. Know before you go and feel confident and excited when you get there. Okay, well, let's get into our first thing of the week, and that's going to be from me. And I know you were doing February as a romantic month, but yes. I tend to do it as Black History Month. Yes. And I did kind of forget because we're not actually recording in February, but you know what? My stuff works great for it. Oh, perfect. So my first thing is the album called Africa from the band Amanaz. This album came out in 1973, and I discovered it as I keep realizing the 70s were just the best decade for music <laughs> everywhere, because, you know, I love that funk and soul from the U.S., I love the rock from England, True. although probably late 60s, early 70s. Uh-huh. Um, 70s Enka from Japan, I'm really into, and I discovered Zamrock, which is kind of a funk rock African fusion from Zambia. Oh, Zamrock. Yeah. So right now we are listening to the title track called Africa, and Amanaz might not be the best known of all the Zamrock artists, but I think they're my favorite because it feels a little... Uh, a little darker than most of the genre. And to speak on how dark they are, they titled the album Africa because, and this is a quote, of how it was shared and how its inhabitants were butchered and enslaved, its resources stolen, and all of the atrocities slave drivers committed. So uh, that's why they named it Africa, and those themes are present through the album a lot. So that's why I'm saying it is a little bit of a darker album. It seems upbeat. <laughs> but uh, something which I think you would really like, because I really like it, the name Amanaz, it's an acronym, and it stands for Ask Me About Nice Artists in Zambia. Oh, that's fun! <laughs> Isn't that so nice? Oh, I like that! 
Well, you've been playing it around the house for like a week, and I think that it is um, kind of a fun, like, relaxed but upbeat sound. And one of their better known songs, and I think my favorite from them, is called Kala My Friend. Hello, Kala My Friend. one they talk about because they're um this friend could be anyone it's like the the everyman and they're talking about the situation in zambia at the time when the average citizen was really struggling it's a a pretty new nation in the 70s and so many people would have had relatives in conflict-torn areas and they were just struggling to find their next meal and this song to this maybe fictitious maybe real friend is kind of uh encapsulating all of that okay I like that one. It's another one that's kind of like a nice cooking dinner. It's like a nice kind of feel. Yeah, I like it. It's super laid back, but uh, that one is kind of sad too when you really think about it. But if you want to just go upbeat and laid back, there is their song called Sunday Morning. that one a lot because it feels like a Sunday morning. It just feels easy and relaxed. It feels mm-hmm. like a sunny Sunday morning. Oh, for sure. It's like a we're just gonna like lay in bed or like lay on the couch and just have like a nice relaxing time. Or if we were somewhere hot like out in the sun on a patio. Huh. Uh, one day it'll be warm here. Yes. One day. One day. That one definitely sounds like it has a big Velvet Underground influence. But you wonder if, like, the Velvet Underground even got there, because we know of them now, of course, but Velvet Underground wasn't huge at the time, and Mm. this song was recorded, like, a year after that record came out, so even if it wasn't well-known locally that it got to Zambia within that same year and influenced them is probably unlikely. I feel it's more likely that they came from similar places they velvet underground and amanaz had similar influences and they're both kind of taking the same thing and going to a similar place with them nice. probably and then they have some heavier stuff like this song called the history of man let me tell you something new about the history of the man he's got nothing Like in the lyrics, it tells you, like, let me tell you something about the history of man. He's got nothing left to lose. No, that's uh, just some pretty heavy lyrics for such an upbeat song. (laughs) 
It has those like really buzzy riffs and some like noodly solos. It reminds me of a lot of 1969 era Stooges. Uh-huh. But again, you're like, do are they influenced from the Stooges? Or it's probably that they all are a, a similar byproduct from recording very low budget, lo-fi, straightforward rock. Right. So they kind of had similar influences and they're just making what they can in their garages, whether they're in London or Detroit or in Zambia. That's pretty cool that this kind of music kind of perpetuates everywhere. Yeah. There's the same kind of feeling of like a struggling musician. And I feel like growing up, I had this idea that music is so different in every country. Right. Like, oh, again, I'm not going to listen to the music from Japan. It's going to be completely different. And then you listen to it and you're like, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> funk was in Japan as yeah, well. Yeah, funk like, is everywhere. Funk is everywhere. That's what my new tattoo is going to say. Funk is all around. <laughs> funk is all around. That's pretty good. And let's do one more song. And the album ends on a much darker note with this song called Kale. Kale This one's kind of like a Zambian-influenced blues song, and it's sung in the language Nyanja, I think it's called. I'm not sure, but I looked into it, and there. I also didn't realize how many different languages and ethnic groups there are in Zambia, but uh, but this song is quite dark as well, and it, it traces the journey from slavery to now Zambia's independence. Or I say now, <laughs> then. Now. <laughs> so... All in all, I'm really into this album right now. I'm trying to find it. It's very hard to find uh, a physical copy. You can find vinyls for like six, seven hundred dollars, yeah. but it had a really limited pressing in '73, and then again was re-released in '75. But oh. so it's a little tricky to find. And uh, hopefully I can get my hands on one of those. If not, I'll have to do with just Spotify. So look them up. The artist is called Amanaz. That's A-M-A-N-A-Z. <laughs> and their album is called Africa. And they only ever had the one album. You can look into Zamrock. There's a lot of real fun stuff out there. But if you like your music a little more sparse and stripped down and maybe a little darker, you should check out Africa by Amanaz. That sounds very cool. Well, Samantha, I hear you have listened to a couple of more books that you'd like to share with us. Yes, you guys are going to be like so tired of books after. <laughs> Although I bet a lot of people are like, I want to read and or listen to whatever it is you just said. I like, like last night we saw um my family and my little brother and his partner and i was able to recommend like six different books for someone just based I on things that they like so i love that made a living out of you have books. but i like being able to be like this is what i really enjoyed <laughs> it's a fun it's a fun feeling that's kind of uh what the show's about so makes sense fun feelings Oh, I thought more recommending things, oh. <laughs> you know, because that's the premise of this show. We recommend movies to each Is other it? and then convince them that it's good. Was that what we're doing? That's, that's what I've been doing. Oh. I don't know what you've been doing. Okay. You've I'll, been I'll... getting me to watch Twilight. I'll take it what under advisement. <laughs> okay, so I have fallen down the rabbit hole 
which is a clue to the book that I read. Alice's Journey Through the Looking Glass. No. Um, different rabbit hole. Different rabbits. Oh. Uh, or bunnies, if you will. Watership Down. Nope. <laughs> uh, so I read Down the Rabbit Hole, The Curious Adventures and Cautionary Tales of a Former Playboy Bunny by Holly Madison. And her follow-up book... Uh, which is called The Vegas Diaries. And um, these came out in 2015 and 2016. And if you don't know, um, Holly Madison is former girlfriend number one of Hugh Hefner, who was in his 80s. And she was in her early 20s when she moved into the Playboy Mansion. And they've dated for seven years. And this whole... Hugh Hafner girlfriends and like their lives in the Playboy Mansion. I find that like really fascinating because these are like young women, young beautiful women who choose to go and live with an eighty-something-year-old man. So I know very little about this. Yeah, tell me but what you know. What I, it seems like to me is it's like any cult, but in this one they admit that it's all based on sex. Well, in most of them they're like, no, it's not about sex. It's about the afterlife. But yes, you do have to have sex. <laughs> in this one, they kind of just say like, yeah, it's about the sex. So it's, it the like, cult is the right word. Um, Holly Madison wrote both of these books and then also uh, has done quite a few like open publicity things where she's really talked about how kind of um, mentally damaging how um, like Hugh Hefner would use his girlfriends against each other to feed on their insecurities and drama and make them dependent on him so that they were scared to leave the mansion. He gave them money. He imposed really strict rules on them. So it was very cult-like, but he like any cult leader, used his power and the prestige that you would get from being in that position of girlfriend Hugh Hefner to keep them, um, like, compliant and to kind of force them to stay. And then uh, he also really played up the fact that, like, this is all you'll ever be Mm -hmm. as a Playboy Bunny. So um, Holly Madison talks about um, living in the Playboy Mansion in her first book, Down the Rabbit Hole. And she talks about um, kind of the journey from becoming like the low girl on the totem pole to becoming girlfriend number one and then leaving and how... That's super gross that they're ranked. Yes. Well, girlfriend number one sleeps in his bed and shares a room with him. It kind of seems like you wouldn't want to be girlfriend number one. It seems like... Four was probably a good yeah, spot. Yeah, because you're like, like kind of under the radar. But, but you're, you're not low on yeah. the totem pole. You're like mid How many people are on this? Totem pole? Sure. So when Holly Madison moved into the Playboy Mansion, there was about seven girlfriends. Oh, wow. And then there was like a big change up um, where a whole bunch of girls moved out of the mansion. And then he had three. So he had Bridget Marquardt, Kendra Wilkinson, and Holly Madison, and they were kind of like a threesome. Everyone knew who they were. They became really famous because they had um, the uh, E show Girls Next Door. Have you heard of that? No, like like the whole Paris Hilton thing. It's not. Um, I'm listening to Zambian music from and the seventies, like, man. Playboy. I don't know. Television. I just don't know this world very much. So um, this was one of the first reality shows that like got really popular when they first discovered that like reality tv was 
kind of a thing that people really enjoyed. Okay. So, so we're talking like early 2000s? This is very early 2000s. So like I was saying, there's a lot of low-rise right, jeans. Right, right, right. Um, a lot of like tank tops with the lace sewn onto it. Do you know the, oh, yeah. do you know the tank tops yeah. you're talking about? Um, there was a lot of like graphic t-shirts, baby tees. Yeah, I remember yeah. the baby tees. Baby tees with low-rise jeans. And the hip so there was like... 12 inches of exposed skin and somehow that was an appropriate outfit yeah yeah i remember high school when everyone was about their baby tees and their hip huggers that was me in junior high yeah yeah uh so it's it's dated but i did watch uh like about a season and a half of it after i read both of these books because i wanted to kind of see how uh the television show edited it to make it look a little bit more glamorous right right because she talks about the show um because she was on it there was three seasons of it that she was on and she talks about the show and how they really spun it to make it more glamorous and exciting and she talks about points in the show and things that happened and what she was kind of going through privately as well. So it was really interesting to kind of see her doing all these things. And, you know, they go on a shopping spree in Las Vegas at the Playboy store. But at the same time, she's like not allowed to leave half sight or um, like talk to other men or do any publicity for herself other than for Playboy. Do they just call him Hef? Yeah, she calls him Hef the entire time. Oh. Or Puffin. Oh. Yeah, that was like her pet name for them. Is it like a play? Of course, because of Hefner, but is it like like El Jefe, that kind of thing? Like the boss? I don't know, but he also, he's like seen with a captain's hat and a pipe. So I wonder Mm -hmm. if it's also like puffing on your pipe. Oh. I don't know. She never actually explains it. And there's a couple of things that she keeps very close to her chest, like like pet names and like some of the more intimate details of their relationship because they were fully in a relationship, like boyfriend, girlfriend. Right. Kind of long-term relationship. And as so, much as you can be when you're being paid and kind of held against your will a little bit. Yes. Uh, so she talks about um, the oppressive regime. There's a 9 p.m. curfew for these women. Oh. They aren't allowed to travel anywhere that would involve being overnight. So Holly Madison talks about how she and her friend tried to go to a friend's wedding in Mexico, but make it back before the 9 p.m. curfew. Wow. Um, so flying out at like four in the morning or something and trying to get back in time um and how scared she was when their flight was delayed Mm. it was like meltdown in the airport scared and um she says how she kind of lost her identity um to the point where she contemplated suicide so she's talking about how like they really broke you down and like made you into this like barbie doll this seems just like i'm I'm more familiar with the world of cults than mm-hmm. i am with uh like oh, it's magazine stuff but this just seems like all of that oh 100 100 um so in the vegas diaries um holly madison leaves the playboy mansion and she does it in such a way that she basically like blows up her relationship with them oh that's fun it's like quitting a job where it you're was, like fuck you it was huge and then she wrote this book and then she was like like the enemy basically and he had new girlfriends he eventually married one of them oh um yeah and they were together for three or four years before he died Hmm. um but yeah he finally settled down and he was famously always saying like i wish i could have done this with holly because holly was like my true love Oh. Which I'm sure made his wife feel really good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it doesn't seem like he's in the business of guarding people's uh, emotional well-being. No. And I think she was like 25. 
Um, so in the Vegas Diaries, she moves to Las Vegas. She's always wanted to um, learn, like, dancing and singing. And she ends up um, using her celebrity from this reality TV show to get on Dancing with the Stars and become the headliner of um, Peep Show, which is, like, a burlesque show that was, like, headlining on the strip. Oh, it's probably just, like, that movie Burlesque. That's um, what she did. <laughs> sure. Although yeah. the movie Burlesque contained almost no burlesque. Uh, it sounds like there was more burlesque in this. Okay. But um, it's like kind of fairy tale-ish and it's based on Little Bo Peep and Little Red Riding Hood. It's, I, I don't I, know about that. I don't, I know it's a big thing, but I don't like, oh, what if we take like things for little girls and make it sexy? Yeah. I don't, I don't like, I don't care for it. I don't know. And so she kind of reinvents herself into this like, Las Vegas showgirl, super famous Las Vegas showgirl. And she said that suddenly she was making money and she was able to support herself, which is something that Hugh Hefner like instilled constantly in her that like it, once you leave, nobody's going to care about you. You're going right. to be like a washed up, used up blonde girl who was more famous when you were with me and now nobody will care about you. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly she's making millions of dollars every year and she's getting to travel. She's getting to do all these things that she didn't get to do at the mansion and she's like really living her life. So I think it's very cool to see her kind of grow in the second book and uh, learn that she's not just a playboy bunny and she fights really hard to not have former girlfriend or playmate or centerfold in front of her name so the first book was called down the rabbit hole yes and that deals with her life living at the mansion at the mansion yeah and the second one the vegas diaries deals with her life after yes. that and her subsequent success yeah and cool. trying to figure out her life trying to figure out who she is and uh, kind of learning along the way. She dates Chris Angel. At oh, one gross. He sounds like a real dick. Um, he sounds like a real dick. Like, if you hear his voice, you're like, oh. <laughs> I would never. He has, like, this real thick Jersey accent, which is quite funny because oh, he has this, like, like super goth yeah. look. But then he sounds, yeah, it's it's That sounds funny. gross. Yeah. Um, and then, I, yeah, so it's kind of uplifting. I found it really interesting from someone who, like, enjoys a good book about a cult. Mm -hmm. This is very cult-like. So there's an upcoming documentary called Secrets of Playboy, which I believe starts in a couple days. And I'm really interested to watch it because it kind of like finishes out this whole big story. And it's got a lot of former girlfriends and playmates and people who were at the Playboy Mansion and kind of coerced into some of these like more seedy things. Yeah, I have no interest in watching that uh, reality show that you talked about. But if that same film crew said like, oh, here's all the stuff we couldn't put into that yeah. show. And like, here's what was actually going on. I'd be interested in so that. So it's being credited as like unreleased footage. Hugh Hefner famously took photos of every girl who went to a party or entered the house. Hmm. Um, and as well as had his entire house like wired for recording. Right. So like if you did something in a bedroom with someone, he probably has it on tape. Weird. And so he, there's all this footage. And now that he's 
no longer alive, he like they're opening up these archives of super creepy scrapbooks and photos and like basically blackmail material and um they're kind of releasing it and these people are starting to come forward and talk about it and playboy has even come forward and said like we are not the same playboy as hugh hefner's playboy we like stand behind survivors and people who are coming forward and we are doing the best we can to listen and learn from their stories and to try and support the next like generation of people who wanted who grew up wanting to be in playboy Hmm. well that's good at least yeah i know again nothing about that and maybe this is just all lip service but maybe but maybe that's a good first step at least but i think it's important that they're like at least trying yeah they're saying that it's a problem and they're allowing this documentary to come out, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Now that he's no longer at the, like holding the reins, dead. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> but like I think he kept a very tight like hold on all of this like secret information of how gross he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so now that as he's... most rich gross people do, yeah. So now that he's dead, he uh, all of this is coming out, and he's going to be exposed for how gross he really is. And I look forward to watching that documentary. And hopefully it's not a surprise to anyone because mm-hmm. if you were like, oh, yeah, there's this uh, rich old man and he just has a, a harem in his mansion. A there isn't a lot to leave. Old blonde you should woman. already know like, oh, that's gross. Yeah. It shouldn't take this documentary. No. It is weird that everyone knows who he is. Yeah. Like, I know. Yeah. Because everyone he was in like Hugh movies Hefner. and stuff. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, yeah, Hugh Hefner. He lives in a big mansion with a bunch of people who uh, like modeled nude. Yeah. That should have uh, that should have been more strange yeah. than it is. And gross. Mm-hmm. People should be more upset about that. Yeah. It's a very interesting story, so you can check out Down the Rabbit Hole and The Vegas Diaries by Holly Madison. And did you listen to them? Yes, I listened to them. How was the narration? It was really good. She reads it herself. So oh. there's there's some moments where she actually like you can hear her getting emotional. Oh. So you can tell a lot of the like things that are like actually hitting really close to home for her. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that she really wants to share her story. And so it was important for her to read this. So I like when biographies and autobiographies and stuff are read by the people they're about. Yeah. I think that adds a level of like authenticity. So our second ad sponsor of the episode is... Boys and Girls Clubs and Big Brothers Big Sisters of Edmonton and Area, which is also called BGC Bigs. And did you know that you have a superpower? No, we're not talking about flying or reading minds, although those would be pretty cool to have. You have the incredible ability to help young people see their own superpowers. Consider sharing your time with a young person. Over the last year, BGC Biggs heard from young people that having a mentor means they are less likely to have anxiety, feel isolated, or struggle with their mental health. There are over 600 plus young people waiting for mentor in their lives today. Explore how you can get involved. Watch our community change one life at a time. There's currently a need for mentors in the Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or Big Siblings program, in school for our Youth in Care program, and for the new PRISM programs. There is also a need for virtual tutors who can support young people as they transition back to school and are dealing with the learning loss over the past two years. Join BGC Bigs for a virtual coffee or apply now at bgcbigs.ca or Google BGC see Biggs Edmonton, your priority, their future. So, Indy, it's time 
What are we going to be watching? Oh, we're not. What? We're not watching. What are we? What are we doing? We're listening to Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Okay, so that seems appropriate. So the reason we're doing this is we are not going to be recording for a while, but we will have time to listen to all sorts of music. And one of the things we listen to a lot if we're going somewhere warm, I love Bob Marley. And actually, before we get into anything and how this is going to work as a full episode, Samantha, you've come to know Bob Marley for sure in the last few years. Yes. Before you met me, did you have any thoughts on him or know his music? I knew of him. I knew some of his music just because, like, it's around yes. and it's kind of popular. There's some songs that kind of come up. Um, but I didn't ever listen to, like, his full discography right. without someone else playing it, right? Like Yeah, you get those few, like, the four or five songs that yeah. everybody hears. Like, I know Jammin'. Yeah. I think everyone knows Jammin'. Uh, but yes, so we've been on a few, we've been lucky to be able to go on a few hot vacations in our five years together. And so Be- every- When we're allowed to go places. Oh, when we're allowed to go places. So I definitely know Bob Marley from that because you love to just like- It's good vacation music. Listen to the ocean and listen to Bob Marley mm-hmm. and just like relax on the deck with a drink. Yeah. So- How this is going to work is we are going to just listen to some of his stuff. And next week, I'll kind of just give you a almost like a presentation on the life. Will there be a PowerPoint? I can make a PowerPoint. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll make you a PowerPoint. I'll make you, you know what? For everyone out there, I will make you a PowerPoint that you can follow along to. Oh, yes. It'll be a Google Slides because then everyone can access it. Yes. I'll make you a Google Slides slide, many slides. And you can follow along if you would like. <laughs> Excellent. As as I talk. I don't know why that makes me so excited, but like I love a I love an interactive guide. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and then I'll um, walk you through his life. Of course, we'll stop and hear a little bit of music in the next nice. episode, and we'll get some thoughts uh, from you because you'll be hearing probably stuff of his that you have never heard. Of course, we'll talk about everything of his, but I think we'll probably focus on 1973, right through the end of his life, because he had the Wailing Wailers, which we'll get into, but uh-huh. we probably won't be doing so much of his like early ska-type stuff. It'll be okay. more in the, the roots rock or reggae. Nice. Real relaxing beach stuff. Yes. And if anyone's not familiar with the work of Bob Marley... He was a very, I would say, prolific musician, and he was born in 1945 and passed away in 1981. Mm-hmm. And in that time, he did a, some amazing work for the visibility of Jamaica and Jamaicans. He's, I would say, the most famous Jamaican ever, and it's going to be very hard to top him. Like, I still don't think Usain Bolt being the fastest man ever, I don't think he's more well-known than Bob Marley. I feel Bob like Marley. people know Usain Bolt and not necessarily where he's from. Oh, maybe. While like Bob Marley is just is he is Jamaica, Jamaica to yeah. a lot of people. Very true. And he also um, advocated for Pan-Africanism, which is something that I've kind of been into more with a lot of this music that I've been listening to. And a lot of his best music was through the 70s as well, which, again, mm. best decade for music ever. <laughs> but we'll talk about his music and also his career, not just musically, but he did a lot of amazing things 
And uh, he there was an ass- assassination attempt on him. Do you know oh, about wow. that? Oh, no. He was shot and survived. And because he was very... Actually, he wasn't hugely politically active by today's standards but then he was kind of forced into it because this was a time when there was just a lot of turmoil in jamaica and the two parties like the uh, political parties Uh were essentially taking up arms against each other oh wow and he was kind of caught in the middle and all he ever did was just try to preach peace peace above all And one of the reasons I really want to talk about him is when I say something about Bob Marley, people are like, oh, yeah, Bob Marley. And it's like, what does that mean? And they're like, you know. And I say, no, I don't know. Like, actually, what does it mean? And I think a lot of the time it's the association with cannabis use. And he did, of course, uh, use it and wanted uh, legalization everywhere. But like I often have said on this podcast, it's like as a part of Rastafari religion, it is treated mm-hmm. as a sacrament and it is very important to them. Also, if even if you're not religious, it's still a lot of fun. It's pretty nice. Yeah. But I think that kind of overshadows this great humanitarian who did so much to attempt to unite the world. Like right. He wasn't just going very locally he acted very locally and globally and i think his influence is very underrated today Mm -hmm. and i do presentations in senior centers with the library or at least i used to and at one time i said oh i'm going to talk about bob marley and everyone's like oh i don't know if you should be doing that in a two seniors they might not be like cool with that why yeah and i i think there's association that Anyone who uses cannabis is bad. And I kind of think it might be a little bit of racism in there sometimes. I probably. That like someone who has dreadlocks is like, oh, they're up to Oh, there's definitely some like association. But either way, he was a great man and I want to talk about him. So we are going to listen to some of his music over the next while. I'm not sure when we'll be recording the next episode. (laughs) It might be weeks from now. Yes. But we will and I'll uh, create a slideshow for everyone to follow along with. Why am I so excited? And one video I know I want to put in it. I'm not going to give away anything else after this. I'll stop talking. But there was this one concert that he gave oh there's this other one where he got shot the day of and then he left the hospital because he was giving a concert for freedom and unity and he still went with a bullet in him actually i won't even talk about anything else but that that's that's who he was that's amazing so if you're not familiar and you just think it's gonna be like oh it'll be some nice music it's also gonna be a pretty great story i think (laughs) a little heavy a little fun it's gonna be all over a little exciting yeah he lived he lived a life So uh, join us here next week for you, where we will talk about the life and music of Bob Marley. And you, of course, listen to anything. His album Legend is the most well-known one, but it is like a best of album. Okay. Really, they're all good. I think from 73 to, when was that one? Like 79. I think those are the, the best few. But even if you just have a best of. Great. Listen to it. Yeah. Because it's best ofs for a reason. A lot of them are it's great. very true. Legend is an amazing album. And so. like, it's always nice to have a song that you know going into it and then just like exploring further after you remember that you, you like this and you get used to it. Yeah. It's good to have a gateway in. Like Catch a Fire came out in 73. That was kind of their debut, which was amazing. But I think Burnin' 
Oh, Rastaman Vibration is very good as well. They're all good. <laughs> okay, good listen albums. to anything. Go listen to some Bob Marley and we will have suggestions on our favorite ones next week. Excellent. And we'll get a slideshow. Love a good slideshow. Okay, we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.